Do you have any idea what year it is? Did you fall down, hit your head, and think you woke up in the 1950s or the 1890s? Should we call for a doctor? Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Bruski, and I'm the deputy director here at Citizen Action. And welcome to August in Wisconsin. And our panel is light. Robert Craig, he's on vacation, and it's uh, well-deserved. So uh, congratulations to Robert. He's actually not going to be with us this week. But as always, we have Jennifer Epps Addison from Wisconsin Jobs Now. Jennifer, how you doing? Good morning, everyone. And as you can tell, Jennifer's joining us via phone. But in the office, we have Jorna Taylor. And Jorna is a political consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna? Good morning, Wisconsin. So we have a number of, a uh, couple of, uh, actually three guests this week, and we're going to get to those um, guests. They include Jenny Dye from One Wisconsin Now Institute, and we talked last week about the WEDAC report that they released very briefly. We're going to have Jenny on to talk a little bit more in depth on that later in the show. We're also going to have Tanya Atkinson. She's the Executive Director of Planned Parenthood Advocates of Wisconsin, and we're going to talk with Tanya about everything that's been going on around the, the four videos in Planned Parenthood. And uh, we're going to also be joined at the end of our show by Citizen Action organizer Anita Johnson. And uh, Anita, we've had her on once before, I believe, around her voting rights education work. And she was recently profiled in Penzi Spice magazine. So we're just going to have Anita on because we actually want to find out what recipes uh, she has to offer uh, and more. And of course, we'll talk about Anita's work. Um, so we're going to get started, though, by talking a little bit more about Gab and the efforts to reform, excuse me, to blow up Gab. We have been talking a lot about the Republicans and their efforts to really go after transparency and accountability and open government. And so today, we're recording on Wednesday, the big lead story is uh, the uh, that yesterday the Republicans announced that they are going to make a big effort to have Gab essentially dismantled before the 2016 elections. Jorna, I know this is um, obviously an effort to improve efficiency and accountability and, and uh, transparency in government. Um, this just, it never seems to end. It, it does never seem to end. And I think we need to go back to remembering what it was like when it was a partisan board prior to the creation of the GAB as a nonpartisan panel where we actually had partisan appointees that fought and ruled in favor of their friends, regardless of the facts on the table. Um, you know, whatever this quote-unquote restructuring might be is going to eliminate any pretense of fairness whatsoever. I mean, the GOP is not in this because they think that, that GAB is not working for everybody. The GAB is not always working for them, and that's the problem. The Journal Sentinel article specifically says that the move comes in response to the John Doe probe, uh, where they really feel like poor Walker was treated unfairly, and that, you know, Speaker Voss is quoted as saying, we know the current process isn't working as intended, uh, intended to help further the ideals and of conservatives and their agenda. So, yeah, this is just another um, blatant overhaul of government by the right. Jennifer? This is really corporate conservative cynicism at its best. You want to take one of the most high-functioning institutes of government and you want to do what they've done to pretty much everything else, which is dismantle and destroy it and, and um, turn people against the belief that government should be working for everyone. 
we need a nonpartisan board both to monitor Democrats and Republicans. You know, as citizens, we want to make sure that our government is doing the interests of the people. Uh, and we see what happens when Republicans get control of these high-functioning institutions. Uh, we don't need the gap to turn into WEDEC. Yeah, it's an, it's important, uh, Jen. You're absolutely right. Uh, the connection to WEDAC, and we'll we'll of course talk more about that fine uh, organization. Uh, but it's important our listeners understand. Jorna, you referenced what went on before, and we had the caucus scandals. We had the whole situation with both Republicans and Democrats being found guilty of um, doing illegal campaign work on on the time uh, when they were supposed to be doing the public's work, and a lot of this stuff and a whole lot of other things that probably never came to, to the public's eye because of the partisan board. This thing was created, Gab, Government Accountability Board, by a 30 to two vote, right? There were only two people who, who didn't vote for it, completely bipartisan, right? And the notion that you would then so quickly, and by the way, do this after this very public John Doe investigation and other things and try to somehow suggest that there's no perception of these things being connected is ludicrous. In fact, the, um, there was a professor at Ohio State who basically, he summed it up really well, just said that these attempts at partisan manipulation of the election system are no longer surprising. The only surprise is how ham-handed the state GOP has been about the goal of making Wisconsin's election system less fair. And I think that that's really sums it up. Well, I think you're you're right, Matt. And one of the things that Republicans have been talking about is making it into two separate boards. And one of those boards would be a partisan appointee board dealing with campaign finance reform. Frankly, isn't that kind of what they're already doing with our conservative state Supreme Court? I mean, we've gotten there, right? Um, this is just, you know, if Robert were here, I would love to hear his rant on the transparency of government and, you know, connecting this all back to open records and all of these things where citizens, again, have no public input in how our elections are run or how they are governed. So, you know, welcome to Walker's Wisconsin once again, folks. I think it's important to remember what John Bell found, which is essentially not that Governor Walker hadn't violated the law, but instead that we're changing the law because he violated it, right? And mm -hmm. that's sort of the M.O. Let's change things rather than actually follow the law as it's set out. Yeah, and it, uh, I'll end this on noting that this week it was reported, in the, again, in the journal Sentinel, that somehow this notion that um, the investigators came and raided the house uh, was not at all true that it was a you know a, a very civil and appropriate and professional operation and, and and all the smoke that was blown including at the Supreme Court about that is uh, proven to be a complete fabrication so we're going to continue though to talk about what we see as a complete attack on open government and we think it's very important. This is something that we think is, will cut through. And uh, Voss obviously spoke to it when he suggested somehow, well, there's absolutely no connection between this and what's going on. Everybody can see exactly the opposite. Um, so we'll, we'll continue to talk about it here at the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. So we have a special guest with us. Uh, it's actually a former uh, co-panelist here at the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. Uh, Tanya Atkinson is the executive director of Planned Parenthood Advocates of Wisconsin. And Tanya's taken some time to join us this morning. Welcome, Tanya. Good morning, everyone. So, Tanya, we, we have you on because, obviously, there's been a lot of news. Uh, the conservatives are on the attack with Planned Parenthood uh, nationally. And uh, 
Certainly, we've talked before about the attack that's been going on here in Wisconsin for a number of years under the Walker administration, but um, wanted to have you on to talk to our listeners a little bit about this latest attack. So why don't you tell everyone who maybe may not fully understand what's going on, what's been happening uh, nationally uh, uh, with Planned Parenthood and these attacks from the right? Sure. Um, well, what has um, what has happened most uh, most recently is that a um, an organization who um, has been working for years and years and years to outlaw all um, all abortion and many forms of birth control. They have released a series of highly edited um, quote unquote undercover videos that uh, are talking about some Planned Parenthood who participate in um, the fetal tissue donation program. And here at Planned Parenthood Wisconsin, we do not participate in that program um, because of the infrastructure that's required. But uh, a number of our colleagues across the country do participate in that program. Um, these videos are, are really, they're highly edited, and the claims being made as, as a result of the videos are flat-out false. So Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin and Planned Parenthood nationally follow all the laws and regulations that are put in front of us. We're an accredited healthcare provider, and we take the health and safety of our patients very seriously, and we take our mission of providing compassionate care very seriously. So, so the claims in the video are, are flat-out false. These organizations that wanted to outlaw abortion spent a number of years creating sham five, a sham 501c3 false identities and uh, taped video video of physicians having conversations with um, who they who were colleagues um, having highly medical conversations so the claims being made as a result are uh, false and, and of course then before we could have any real sort of rational analysis of this or discussion we have a rush to judgment and uh, an effort nationally this week to defund Planned Parenthood. And and so folks understand Planned Parenthood is my understanding. We're talking about $500 million that helps you know support women's health care throughout the country that uh, in a rush to judgment effort to try and defund it failed uh, yesterday. That would be Tuesday this week. So, you know, obviously want to get your response to, to that effort. And, and, and of course, where is this potentially headed? Right. Well, Matt, you're right. That, that money is directly to provide health care for people who need it. Women, men, um, people who have, most of them do not have access to other forms of health care. So this is legislation, um, you know, this is nothing new for Congress to try to defund Planned Parenthood. They try again and again and again. And the real agenda here, we know what their real agenda is. The real agenda is to not only outlaw abortion, but the fact that they're attacking family planning funding and funding that goes toward breast and cervical cancer screening really points out what their true agenda is, and their agenda is really to restrict or eliminate almost all forms of access to reproductive health care for women and men um, who need it. So that's the real agenda, and they insist that it's about Planned Parenthood and wanting to hurt Planned Parenthood, the reality is is it hurts the patients that we serve. And we saw here in Wisconsin when Scott Walker um, defunded Planned Parenthood, we, we had to close health centers as a direct result of that defunding. And 
that's who it harmed was the thousands of patients that were being served in those health centers and mostly rural health centers across Wisconsin. So, you know, while the excuse uh, is Planned Parenthood and the excuse is, you know, what, what kind of organization they believe Planned Parenthood is, the reality is, is that it takes away health care from people who need it. And that's the bottom line. So, Tanya, this is Jorna. Um, thanks so much. I- it's hard to follow up any of this without some sort of sarcasm or just general disgust. I mean, you know, I'm, I really hope that all of these men's moms are really disappointed in them is kind of my off the cuff comment. (laughs) Um, I mean, my mother certainly would be very disappointed in me, but you know, you and Matt both, both reference this, you know, the last, the rational conversation about Planned Parenthood. When was the last time that the right was ever willing to have a rational conversation about women in general, let alone our reproductive health services? The answer is never. Obviously, you know, you talk about their hidden agenda. It's not hidden anymore. It's a blatant agenda. It's a blatant attack on women. The rush to judgment on Planned Parenthood is not even a rush anymore. It's just an ongoing, um, insipid, seeped in our dialogue judgment on the fact that this is a phenomenal organization that is providing women of all income ranges, of all ethnicities, of all social status, of all of these things with access to health care services. You know, I've lived in many, many different states, and I always knew that if I didn't have a doctor in one of those states, I could rely on Planned Parenthood for any of my health care needs, whether or not that was for reproductive health services or otherwise, that it was going to be affordable and dependable quality care. And so, you know, I guess thank you for your ongoing work. And I'm, I'm once again just disappointed that we continue to have this irrational conversation and that, you know, we as the left have to keep defending this solid institution that does so much good. Thank you, Jorna. So, Jorna, I think uh, you bring up a great point, and everybody who knows me knows I love Bill Maher, so I think we need a new rule. The new rule is that unless you can actually explain what a pap smear is, unless you can actually name the lady parts that you are seeking to put your jurisdiction over, you don't get to have a say. That is my bottom line rule. I mean, I think, you know, Tanya, your point is right on that look, they've been trying to be fun Planned Parenthood the way before these videos came out, but let's for a second focus on what we're actually talking about. When we say tissue donation, what that means and what, what it means for the future of our country. You know, my husband was diagnosed with MS earlier this year, and one of the breakthrough cures or, on um, you know, treatments is stem cell treatment that they're investigating right now. This tissue donation has the potential to find, you know, treatments and potentially cures to some of the most horrific diseases that are plaguing our country, Alzheimer's, MS, other other neurological diseases. Um, and, you know, you're standing in the way of, of healing families and is uh, creating a, a, a long-lasting, um, healthy life for families when you play politics over women's bodies in this way. Right. That is exactly right. And not only does it stand in the way of um, science and advancement and treatment and helping other people get healthy, it is another way of taking away a woman and family's ability to make their own health care decisions. And I have a friend who I have permission to share a story that with her first pregnancy, um, uh, her son's heart stopped beating in utero. And, um, and and she didn't miscarry, and so she needed to have an abortion. And she and her husband made 
the decision to um, do fetal tissue donation. And for her and her husband, it was an incredibly healing moment to know that they were helping somebody else. So regardless of the circumstances, everybody's circumstances are different, but it was an opportunity for this family to say, I want to help somebody else in this circumstance. And that, that would be taken away. Well, Tanya, I really want to thank you for taking the time today to come on and talk a little bit more about the situation. Can you let our listeners know if they want to help Planned Parenthood and, and you know, help women in general and access to, to adequate health care, how, uh, how can they get in touch with Planned Parenthood? What's the best way? Um, our website is the best way. It's www.ppawi.org. Um, and there's a lot of information on our website. Um, there's information about volunteering, so um, folks can reach out can reach out that way. Um, and I think the the biggest thing again, what people can do is um, uh, like Jorna, like Jen, tell the story of why this healthcare is important, not just Planned Parenthood, um, because we're you know we're we're a target. Um, so Planned Parenthood is important, but it's about this healthcare. And, and these policies wouldn't just impact Planned Parenthood, even though we may be the target. So to talk about the importance of these health care services to women, to families, um, and, and really have those conversations, actively have those conversations. Um, that and, and You may have a story, and chances are some people around you have stories too. So um, really keep the conversation going and... Um, and make sure that people know why this is important and that we're going to continue to demand that we have access to the full range of reproductive health care services and that we're, um, we're not going to back down. We're not going to let these services go away. Well, bravo. Uh, agreed to that. And clearly this is the uh, uh, not the first salvo, but it is a reheating of what will become an election issue. And uh, so we'll continue to talk about this and have those conversations that are being suggested. Thanks a lot, Tanya, for joining us. All right. Thank you all. All right. So we mentioned last week about the report that One Wisconsin Now Institute put out about WEDEC, and, and this week we're really happy to have a special guest, and that's Jenny Dye, the research director at One Wisconsin Now Institute. Jenny, thanks for joining us this week. Thanks so much for having me. So you put out this uh, four years of failure kind of uh, summary report on, on WEDEC. Why don't you tell our listeners what your report essentially found and you know what, what's the most important thing that they need to understand uh, that's in the report? Well, what we found is that we continue to see that Governor Walker's campaign contributors are benefiting from this state agency, the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation, and they are receiving um, through companies that his donors have ties to more than 60% of the state's economic development awards, which is a really significant amount of money um, that we're talking about. In addition, when we looked at WEDEC's own self-reported metrics of what companies have to achieve either in job retention or job creation um, in order to receive these awards, uh, out of over 1,000 awards, that were made by the end of 2014, only 633 awards did not require any job retention or job creation goals. So 60%, the majority of awards that are 
being given out by this flagship job agency are not even requiring the recipients to meet job retention or job creation goals according to the agency itself. And that's really concerning when we were told at the outset that this was going to be the economic development agency for Wisconsin, that this was going to be a plan to get Wisconsinites jobs. So, Jenny, what you're basically saying is that if this were a hospital and doctors were um, only treating 40% of their patients with any sort of accountability and the other 60%, they were just saying, yeah, we're totally going to, like, make you healthy, you know, and that's no big deal, right? Right. I mean, absolutely. That sounds like a hospital I would want to go to (laughs) for sure. Um, It is really concerning that we see – money, taxpayer money, being handed out to corporations uh, without any sort of accountability for creating jobs um, and good-paying jobs for Wisconsinites across the state. And taxpayer dollars. This isn't like, you know, some random private investment money that fell from the sky. This is our tax dollars that we're supposed to be reinvesting into our state's economy to make this a better place to live and work. So this is appalling. Great report. I mean, sad report, really. (laughs) It is. It's taxpayer dollars, and for every dollar of awards that have been ma- made by WIDEC so far, point zero 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 five eight jobs have been created. Well, Jenny, let me first just say thanks to One Wisconsin for doing this incredible uh, investigative journalism in a way, this report. But I want to go back to something you talked about. Over 600 companies did not have any retention goals uh, connected to their loans or their awards. I, you know, we've talked about how outsourcing and the loss of manufacturing has really devastated our state. But, you know, is it common practice? Is this something that we should expect? Should we expect that the corporations that receive public subsidies then actually have to keep and retain or or create jobs? Or is this sort of par for the course that we should just be happy that the businesses are doing well and not worry about the jobs they're creating? Well, when Governor Walker created WIDIC and ended the former Department of Commerce, part of the reason that he was doing that is because of this 250,000 jobs that he had promised to create in his first campaign. And WIDIC was going to be the way to deliver. So absolutely we should expect not only that the dollars that we are investing through WIDIC are going to retain jobs, but that they are going to create jobs because that was the entire point of moving from the Department of Commerce to this privatized jobs agency that we have in WIDIC. And we have seen not only is it not panning out in retention or creation, but there have been some really serious allegations of corruption um, that have been reported by news outlets like the Wisconsin State Journal's investigation of one particular award to building committee where we saw top Walker officials directly lobbying um, for a donor who had maxed out to the governor in his gubernatorial campaign to receive state awards. Um, And we saw that they were not following policies for vetting of companies, and that this is just one of many examples that seem to be trickling out um, as we learn more and more about what's actually happening at WIDIC. Yeah, your your research actually echoes some research that uh, Kevin Kane here did, where where we looked at sort of where the jobs were going, and that uh, I think it was around seventy percent of the actual jobs created were created in Republican legislator districts, right? And that there's clearly something going on in terms of the way the jobs are being created. I think what's fascinating about your report is it shows that there is a complete disconnect between 
as you mentioned, the stated mission of creating jobs and the actual accountability. And uh, we've talked about this on the podcast. It seems to be that they don't believe that that's actually should be a part of the equation and that they that the organization simply believes that giving money to corporations and to business is in of itself a goal and an end and and really the talk of jobs is is, is smoke but um, and your report seems to show show that the data bears that out so uh, really, kudos on on this report. Uh, any of any thoughts from you as a researcher who who has poured through all this information in terms of prescriptions, in terms of what ought to be done? Well, I think a couple of things. First of all, there are policies that are in existence that multiple state audits have shown aren't being followed. So step number one would be for the agency to follow existing policies and existing state law. Uh, step number two is there aren't any protections that we have uh, in Wisconsin that place prohibitions on campaign contributions from those who have close ties to businesses doing business um, with the state or seeking these sorts of uh, economic development awards from the state. And there's really no transparency um, either for companies that might be tied to a donor that being disclosed by WEDIC. And so I think transparency about who is giving, giving money to people who are in charge of making these decisions, and let's not make any mistakes about it. Governor Walker, up until just uh, this past month, was the chair of the WEDIC board, and he is the person who has been in charge of people who are on that board. And the people who are at the agency are people with ties to Scott Walker. So this all comes back to him. Um, and we need transparency about whether or not those donations should even be allowed. And we need to have a conversation about that. Other states do have protections. Illinois, for example, um, has laws in place that prohibit campaign contributions from businesses who do a certain threshold of work with the state. Um, and those are things that we should start considering so that citizens can have confidence that there's not corruption or even the appearance of corruption with these economic development awards, and that it's really about the people of Wisconsin and what's best for all of us. Well, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, also, of course, for the research. Um, it's it's ab absolutely critical that we stay on an agency like WEDEC. Uh, so thanks a lot. Thank you so much for having me, and I think between the work that you guys are doing, like you mentioned with Kevin, and the work that we're doing, uh, the conversations about WEDIC won't be going away anytime soon. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. Thanks again, Jenny. So we're really happy uh, to have with us as our last guest, it's been guest, uh, guest podcast, and that is uh, Anita Johnson. Anita Johnson is an organizer here at Citizen Action we've had her on before. She works here on voting rights. Anita, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So we have Anita on for a reason. Um, many people around the country are familiar with Penzi Spice. They uh, are a wonderful spice provider here out of Milwaukee. But one thing that's special about Penzi is they're progressive and really care a lot about um, uh, social justice issues. And in their latest magazine, profiling all their spices for the year, and so they're celebrating 50 years of the Voting Rights Act, and Anita is 
profiled and featured in in the magazine, and so we're really proud of it. And so we wanted to have you on. Congratulations, Anita. Thank you. Tell <laughs> how how did this happen? How did uh, Penzi Spice uh, contact you to do this? It was weird. Um, I got a um, email from uh, Amy, uh, the lady that did the interview, and um, I was a little surprised because you know I was like. Pensy sells spices. I don't know anything <laughs> about them being concerned about Voting Rights Act. Uh, and so I spoke to Robert about it. I said, is it okay for me to do an interview with Pensy Spices? And he was like, oh, yes. Yes, you must do that. They're good. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We've been trying to get an interview with them. <laughs> so it, it was something that I didn't know that Robert had been working on. And it just kind of fell in my lap. Um, so this article is amazing. They they feature Anita's work, and for people who don't know, Anita has worked for well over a decade on voting rights and and making sure that folks have access to vote in our community. And this this article profiles it, but not only do they profile Anita's amazing work, and we'll put a link to the electronic article, but Anita, your salmon croquet has uh, made it made it uh, in, into the public eyes, and it it's looking very good. So uh, you're you're quite the cook too, apparently. No, I'm not. Oh come on, <laughs> uh, those are salmon croquettes. Um, and when I do cook, I don't spend a lot of time in the kitchen. <laughs> uh, my granddaughters uh, like to cook, and this is such an easy recipe. I taught them how to do it, and they love to do it because you put your hands in it and mix everything up <laughs> together and make the little patties, and they like doing that. So um, that's why I gave her salmon croquettes is one of my favorite uh, things to eat. So that's why. But when she first said recipe, I was like, recipe? Are you sure? And she says, yeah. So I gave her the salmon croquettes and the salad. Well, Anita, um Thank you for all of the work you've been doing for years and years, and this is just a small bit of recognition that you are very sorely deserving Thank of you. for all of the work you've done to make sure that people can not only get out there to register to vote, but also know their rights when they get to the polls and have worked with election protection and all of these things. Um, not to tie this back to one of our favorite topics on the podcast of WEDEC, but look here, this is an example of an of a business in Wisconsin that is providing good paying jobs for their employees and is also promoting the great work of organizations to engage its citizenry in a public dialogue about how we participate in our democracy, um, which seems to be in opposition to what Scott Walker's corporate friends and handouts over at WEDEC are doing. So, um, but again, kudos to you not to take away your moment in the sun here. Um, and I hope there are many more, but, but thank you. Thank you. What you're saying is true. I was very excited that Penzies decided to do this magazine on voting rights. And you are right. They have staff that they have to pay. There was a photographer that had to come out and take the photos of us. He's being paid. The woman, Amy, used to work for uh, the Journal Sentinel. She's also being paid. It had to be printed up. So yeah, they're right in tune with what we're doing. So I was really excited once I learned the history of Penzies um, that, that they would do this. And I was honored and humbled um, to be a part of, well, of me, this um, magazine this year. I'm sorry about that. It's hard when you can't see people. Let me just echo what Jordan said. Thank you, Anita, for all your work. And I will say that we're going to need hundreds, if not thousands, of Anitas all across this state to ensure that everybody has an equal 
way to participate in our democracy after the devastating changes that the governor made to our voting rights access. So please, please, please uh, reach out to Anita and Citizen Action and, and add your efforts and your energy to the great work that's already happening so that everybody come Election Day is able to have their voice heard. Thank you, Jen. Um, there are other stories of other people. Uh, there's a woman from uh, the League of Women Voters. They did an article on her as well. And I just want to say that Anita is just not I. I work with coalition partners. I would not be able to do anything without the help of uh, my coalition partners and volunteers and staff at Citizen Action. So I really, really appreciate that. And that's why I feel so humble, because I have so many people uh, that help me in this work that I feel that all of us should have been in that magazine. Well, congratulations, Anita. And uh, I want to echo what Jen was saying. This, this election coming up, it's going to be different. We have, uh, we have new laws, right? A photo ID is now needed. And so if you need help in getting uh, folks registered, you want to be deputized, if you need uh, education, people to come out and talk to folks about what, uh, what you'll need as far as a photo ID, um, please contact Anita. She would be happy to help you. Um, Anita, why don't you give folks your uh, email address? Uh, Anita.Johnson at citizenactionwi.org. The photo ID and voter registration is very confusing. Please, please call me with any questions or if you need um, more education on the photo ID or the registering people uh, to vote. We are still looking for people to work the polls because the poll workers also have to be educated. And um, I'm sorry, but sometimes the poll workers are a little more confused than the people that come to vote. <laughs> I am working very closely with Neil Albright at the Election Commission. Um, and I'm impressing upon him that the poll workers really, really need to be trained well uh, for the upcoming election. You will have to show an ID for any upcoming election. And know that when you show that ID, they're only looking at your face and your name, and that is it. Put that ID back in your purse or in your wallet and go to the next station where they will ask for your name or, and your address, and then you will sign the poll book. Your ID must reasonably look like you, and I'm going to stop. <laughs> oh, well, that's excellent. And so, Anita, you can't get away coming on the podcast without telling us what when you're not helping educate people this weekend do you have any suggestions for what people ought to be doing i will be volunteering this weekend uh, at a street festival for one of the churches that i usually go to and that starts at 10 o'clock in the morning on 19th and center uh, so if you're looking for any information or you need somebody that wants to register to vote you can meet me over there and um at six o'clock saturday evening there's an all-white affair uh, they have asked me to come and register people at that affair as well. So I'll be working this weekend. <laughs> well, you are doing, you know, obviously work that is uh, incredible and very important. So with that, Jorna, what are you doing this weekend? Um, I'm going to try and catch up on my life a little bit, but I do have a day-long uh, Pride Fest retreat happening on Sunday because the planning for next year's party starts today. 
Well, there you go. That's excellent. And uh, I'll be at the uh, Beaver Dam Half Mile and also doing a number of things to make my house uh, apparently uh, up to snuff. It inhabitable. Is, yeah, inhabitable. <laughs> it has is, is gotten quite the disaster. Oh, Jen, come on. You, what, so what, what's going on this weekend? No real furlough, huh? Yeah, I'm gonna get. I'm pulling a Robert, but folks may know that WJN launched the Freedom Compact this weekend um, on August 1st. Please go to wjnwisconsinjobsnow.org to endorse the compact. But uh, it's a, it's a real simple plan that demands that elected officials and politicians that want our votes uh, guarantee a dignified life and real freedom to every single Wisconsinite. So it's living wages, it's education for all, from childcare through college, and this is the revenue priorities to pay for it. So. If you can support those things, come on and endorse the plan. But I will be traveling across the state, going door to door, getting people at their doors to endorse this plan and to commit to making sure that every elected official that they support in, uh, in the 2016 election also has endorsed the plan. So look for me at a door or a neighborhood near you. Well, excellent. Uh, uh, that sounds great. Uh, one thing I'd like to add this weekend, uh, Saturday... Uh, there is a uh, important uh, aldermanic race here in Milwaukee, and uh, Tim Carpenter is running, and a group of folks will be getting together to help Tim knock doors, a good progressive. So if you're interested in that, uh, look up Tim Carpenter and get out and help him knock some doors this weekend. So that's a, a, a good uh, furlough for this weekend. So with that, we'll bring this Battleground podcast to a close, and we'll see you next week.